You are listening to the Bright Life Podcast, all about ways to stay inspired, chase your dreams, and find more gratitude in the highs and lows of the journey. I'm your host, Jessica Johnson. I'm a business owner, a part-time digital nomad, a self-growth junkie, a believer in other big-hearted women, and am all about sharing tips, tricks, lessons learned, and encouragement so we can all live our biggest, brightest lives. You ready? Let's do this. Hey everyone, I am so excited because today I have a woman on the podcast who I have admired for a long time on social media is how I found her. And I feel like if you do not know who this person is, Elizabeth Heiskins, she leads Trades of Hope, which is an amazing company supporting artisans all across the world. She has lived life in DC and London and in Florida. She's building a beautiful home. She has so much to offer about this idea of enjoying every season to the fullest and romanticizing your life so that whether it's a good season, whether it's a hard season, there's just something to be found in it. And I've always noticed that about her and really admired it on social media. And so I reached out and just thought that she could walk us through what that's like. And also she's doing so many amazing things in the world that I just wanted to learn from her there in business, in entrepreneurship, in marketing, and just all the ways. So I'm super excited she's here. She is the founder and chief creative officer at Trades of Hope, which is an eight-figure fashion brand creating equal opportunities for women around the world. She earned her BA in PR and communications and her MA in strategic communications for social change and advocacy. Elizabeth has worked in the U.S. Embassy in London, has grown an organic following of 21,000 across multiple platforms, and has lived in Washington, D.C. and London. She is a public speaker who is passionate about women realizing they have permission to pursue their dreams with audacious confidence. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited to share you with everyone and your business. I just think it's amazing. Um, so maybe you've done so many amazing things, but maybe just in your own words, catch us up a little bit on your story and your background. Sure. I grew up going to Haiti very regularly where my mom had founded an orphanage. And so I got to see at a very young age how honestly a majority of the world really lived. And I was particularly aware of the girls and women that I saw in Haiti in this developing country, being a girl then and now a woman myself. That led ultimately when I, um, gosh, maybe after I had spent over 10 years traveling to Haiti, that led to me co-founding Trades of Hope. And you did a, a beautiful job summing it up, but Trades of Hope uses fashion and accessories as a vehicle to create jobs for women in developing countries around the world. And so as much as I love fashion, I definitely don't work as much as I do for, uh, for clothing and for accessories. It's really to create jobs for women as a result of my experience growing up traveling to Haiti. Over that. the last decade of um, starting Trades of Hope, growing Trades of Hope, I've seen so many of the women that we partner with around the world tell us about this process of, of finding their voices again, whether they come from 
oppressed societies um, or they've endured a, a lot of trauma. I mean, poverty itself is extremely tra- traumatizing within itself. Um, but through our, our partnership and their work, they found their voices again. And I've seen these women just become so bold and so confident and and so proud of themselves. And in a very different way, I, I want that same boldness for women everywhere. Um, I speak to a lot of women here in the U.S. who have hesitancies about things like per- applying for jobs or pursuing dreams that they mm-hmm. worry don't aren't really going to make sense to other people or even standing up for themselves or loving themselves. Like I've seen women overcome the biggest ops- obstacles, um, become leaders of these communities and they hold their heads so high. And I'm like, wow, a lot of women in America could use a little <laughs> bit of of the the pride that you are in. So I'm really passionate. Um, in addition to um, leading and growing Trades of Hope, uh, spreading that that boldness, that pride in women everywhere. Yeah, that's something that really I feel like comes across and really stood out to me when I first discovered you is just you almost give permission to the women following you to be confident to know that they are, you know, killing it in business, that their dreams are worth fighting for, that it's okay to have an opinion and have a stance on something. So I, I just really think that's powerful that not only are you doing that on your, you know, social following, but then how interesting that also in Trades of Hope, that's something that you're really able to instill and grow in these communities beyond just selling these beautiful like products, you know, the accessories and everything is just so pretty. Um, but how cool that there's just such a bigger mission behind it. Thanks. Thank you. It, it does kind of all come full circle, which um, is is very fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I touched on, you know, in the beginning that I think is also so unique about you is this idea of romanticizing your life, where you do really seem to savor every stage and live it to the fullest. So how did you cultivate this? You know, we were talking earlier. I find this so interesting because this isn't something that people usually ask me to speak about. But after you had reached out to me, actually just yesterday, a woman sent me a DM on Instagram and said, you make everything, even the most menial tasks, um, like returning a shirt really present and really special. And I guess it's something that I've grown to do kind of subconsciously because this isn't, you know, a brand pillar of mine or anything. Um, so it was great brand feedback that you gave me in asking me to, <laughs> to speak about this. Um, I say subconsciously, but at the same time, it's the result of being very intentional. You know, we get this one shot at the human experience, this one shot at life. And the human experience is filled of a lot of things. And those things society has deemed either good or bad, those good things being love, joy, accomplishment, safety, certainty, security, and, you know, other similar things and and bad parts of the experience. And I kind of say bad in in quotation marks, things like heartbreak, Mm -hmm. loneliness, boredom, discomfort, change. And we can, t- we can continue to label these things as good or bad, longing for the good and resisting the bad, or we can accept that it's all a part of the human experience and it's all going to happen mm-hmm. at one point or another. When we step into that expectation and the acceptance, that's when we can savor every season of our lives. Every season then has an opportunity or a lesson or a gift. 
um, if we decide that we want to go and and search for it. But I want to pause for just a, a hot minute to mm-hmm. say to reiterate right here if we decide we want to find that lesson or opportunity because it is a privilege to be able to, you know, romanticize your life because there are many low seasons where you might not want to find that purpose and the pain or maybe it's right. too much. Maybe there was a grave injustice that happened to you or a loved one and it's okay to not want to, you know, savor that. This conversation definitely doesn't apply to every case scenario. I come from a very privileged place where I'm sure I have no doubt it's easier for me to choose positivity um, than some other people. There are pains that I have definitely not experienced in life. So I don't want it to sound like this conversation is for everything. Um, I also am like a huge believer never to tell someone who's going through something, everything happens for a reason because it's never my place or the observer's place to say. Um, It's only ever the individual going through that experience who can say, I'm finding purpose and meaning in this um, hard thing. Um, So I just wanted to kind of put that little asterisk in there before we (laughs) go through the rest of this. Um, But that being said, as far as how people can can do this, I started romanticizing my life um, kind of subconsciously before it was a cool like TikTok TikTok trend. Um, (laughs) After making that mind shift that bad parts in life weren't really bad. They were just hard. They were just really hard. But that doesn't mean it's something that I had to resist. Um, You know, Mm. for example, when I was experiencing my first heartbreak, I read Eat, Pray, Love. And for those of you who don't know what Eat, Pray, Love is, it's a memoir by Elizabeth Gilbert, who after her divorce and and after going through heartbreak and depression, she travels the world alone for a year. And um, I, after experiencing my first heartbreak, was like, well, I'm about 15 years younger than Elizabeth Gilbert when she wrote this, (laughs) but like, what can I do that's kind of similar? So I decided to live in Guatemala for the summer and had my own little eat, pray, love journey. I love Um, it. (laughs) Yeah, it was honestly, again, I look back and that's one of my favorite seasons of life, but it was really Mm -hmm. hard. Um, But I read when I was there, I read something from her book. Um, She's describing being in Italy and she should be so happy, but she's really sad and lonely. And she writes, then just be lonely. Like for the first Mm -hmm. time in your life, just sit with being lonely and learn how to be lonely. Like make a map of this part of the human experience. And that's when I was like, oh, like we don't have to resist every bad feeling. We can actually welcome it in, even if it's scary and uncomfortable. Um, And whether it's a breakup or the discomfort of change um, or setting a big scary goal that feels intimidating – now I'm able to view any of those experiences sacred and a part of me becoming a better version of myself, a version that I like more and more with each season. Because to me, romanticizing your life is less about drinking coffee while going on a walk or taking aesthetic you know, photos and two-time mm-hmm. Zoom on your phone. It's more about <laughs> accepting all of the seasons of life as a part of the human experience and falling in love with who, who you are. Yeah, that's so true because it isn't necessarily meant to be, oh, just gloss over everything and make it all pretty and make it Mm. all like romantic. It's more of what you said of like making it not wrong to have the hard times or remembering what that feels like and allowing yourself to feel that and almost just that presence of like, I'm not going to try and just bypass this. I'm not going to try and go just to the shiny parts of life, but I'm just going to live in all of it to the fullest and 
you know, like you say, there's certain things that no one should certainly have to relive or try and find the beauty in. Like, that's not what it's about, but it's really just for those where you can, um, just bringing yourself into the experience of being human and of this season of life, knowing that it all changes and it will be different, you know, a year from now or five years from now, certainly. So almost just that presence of, of living each part to the fullest and try and not make it wrong if it is like a harder season. I love that. Yeah, I love even what you said, not glossing over things, like really feeling it uh, without torturing yourself. Of course, I I love that. And so how does this apply to like other parts of your life? Like, for example, even to growing a business like Trades of Hope, where, you know, entrepreneurship, it can be challenging, there can be highs, there can be lows. Um, How have you translated that to the more entrepreneurial side of your life? Yeah, I love um, how you even introduced that about there being highs and lows. And no one talks about really businesses who fail, uh, but then the (laughs) entrepreneur gets back up on her feet. Like I love listening to podcasts with entrepreneurs of giant, giant brands that like everyone knows about. And then realizing that she had like three failed businesses before this one that now she's known for. I love that. And again, I think accepting, going in with the expectation, like this is not going to be like how everyone shows it (laughs) online um, as far as an entrepreneurial journey is really, really important because when you can have that expectation, it's a lot easier to accept those harder things. Um, And there is definitely a lot of that with um, Traits of Hope. There are really great years and there are years where I've thought there would be a little bit more movement, but there's always, always a lesson to learn or or to go into it. And even on a day-to-day, I'm sure everyone can relate to this. There are honestly days where the work you have lined up is not very exciting or not inspiring (laughs) or motivating, but being able to say, okay, this is what I've got. This is real. Like, you know, before we talked about heartache. Maybe now we talk about boredom. Like, all right, well, I light a candle. I make myself a drink. I maybe turn on a playlist and I just, I show up for this. Um, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes romanticizing your life can also be like, just like what little pivots can I make in this moment to make it more enjoyable? Sometimes it can be that simple. Um, And I think that's something, whether you are an entrepreneur with your own business or working um, within a larger organization, anyone can can do. But definitely remembering there are highs and lows in in businesses and taking that um, expectation, knowing that there there definitely is something good to be learned. Um, I think that that means that there will always – um, be growth, even if it's not linear. Um, you know, like I said, Trades of Hope, it does not always have linear years. We are not always like skyrocketing all the time. Right. Um, and I think that's good because that creates, um, you know, healthy growth. Yeah, true. It's almost like it's almost harder to see in the moment too, but I feel like in hindsight, whenever mm-hmm. it's been yeah. like a harder time in business or if you, like to your point when you're maybe in something that you're a little bit more bored by or you're starting to feel restless, it's almost like just remembering that whatever you're doing, you can't, you will use later on in some way, like it will benefit you. It's sometimes harder to see it in the moment, but I just feel like everything I've ever looked back on and even in any of those seasons when I was so ready, like to start a business, to get out of corporate America, 
I'm actually like so glad that I made like the friendships and the connections that I did mm-hmm. and that I learned the skills and that it's almost just like, how can I uh, be more present, be more grateful, be just more even strategic, like in this time, like using everything for good in some way down the line. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I love that note that you said too, of just, um, what can, like, what enjoyment can I bring in where maybe Mm. if you're just sitting in that office or anything, you make yourself that cup of tea or you get cozy or you say, (laughs) am I comfortable even seated like this? Like, that's something I always feel like I underestimate that I should be more mindful of. That's just such a simple way to always bring it in is just like pause and be like, wait, like, how can I make this just 10% more fun, you know, or more pleasurable in this moment? Absolutely. So good. So what about, I know there's people listening who are in all stages of relationships and maybe that's like another aspect of your life. I know there's sometimes pressure, you know, I felt at different stages to either be in a relationship or be married or whatever, like almost like always be ahead of where you are sooner. (laughs) And I just think there's such a nugget um, in what you're teaching of how to just be okay with where you are and not, and more than okay, right. To be thriving where you are. So how have you approached that with relationships or what kind of advice would you give in that arena? Yeah. Wow. I know all about age-related pressures. I feel like I should be the poster child. I grew up in a small bubble of a town where my peers and even all of our parents and probably their parents' parents all got married at like 20 years old. So when I got dumped at 20, I was like, one, what's wrong with me? And uh that original narrative, that story that desirable women get married at 20, that's definitely off the table for me now. That's not <laughs> not going to happen. We're not on that trajectory. Um, so I'm going to have to write a new story. And that led to years of falling in love with myself, building a life that I really, really love, and realizing um, quite abruptly that I am stuck with myself. I don't have the luxury (laughs) of friends or boyfriends to just peace out when they decide they don't like me anymore. I am with myself for my whole life, so I better make sure that my relationship with myself is good. And in Mm. loving myself, I directly then begin to build a life that I love and is easy to romanticize because honestly, my life is kind of built around me right now. <laughs> and, um, and it's not bad. My my favorite example to share with women who think that they're not where they thought they should be or would be at a certain age is Amal Clooney. Okay. Mm. I think about Amal Clooney at least once a day. I'm not going to lie. And <laughs> I don't understand why we don't give her the attention that we do to other celebrities, but Amal is one of the most beautiful women in the world. She's brilliant, an international human rights lawyer, literally fights for people with her intellect, and she held out. Um, She didn't get married until she was almost 40. I think she was actually like 36. I think she was 36. And that Mm -hmm. just goes to show when you work on yourself, focus on the good you can do in the world, carry yourself with confidence and grace. Uh, George Clooney will just stumble into your life um, or, you know, another <laughs> attractive, accomplished, <laughs> someone, someone of that similar nature, someone who can match you in that way. And um, I, I love that because she's just proof of another story, like a different kind of woman that I grew up being around and, and my peers grew up into the, you know, 
married at 20, which is not their fault. I then uh, projected that onto me thinking, oh, well, that's the timeline. That's when I'm, that's when that's going to have to happen for me. Um, so I love Amal Clooney as just an example. And there are a ton out there. She's just, she's just my favorite. But nothing will ruin your life like always thinking you're behind. I used to say nothing will ruin your 20s like thinking you're behind, but I know that I can see more and more, maybe it's with social media, that more decades are feeling that. People into their 30s and 40s are as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I hate that because we don't have to subscribe to that idea that you're behind. Romanticizing your life is is all about being present, actually. There are no timelines, no pressures, just gratitude for where you are here and now and making the most of the season that you're in. So if you're in a single season, think, I'm going to be the best single version of me. You know, drink your water, work hard at your Mm -hmm. job, identify what you can do for others. I don't know, maybe go to therapy, fall in love with your body, Mm -hmm. run full force towards your dreams while you don't have to worry about anyone else. Um, and think things like, I'm going to be the best girl living in a city with my girlfriend's version of me or whatever your life is. And be there for your girls. Be available. Be interruptible to show up for them. Make a list of all the places you can go together and start crossing them off. Stay up too late with them or, you know, take up too much time in the morning chatting with them. I believe that it's only then when you can, after you have identified, you know, I'm going to be the best fill-in-the-blank version of me, whatever your season currently is. I think only after you have given your all to that season is when you can go into a new season and say, okay, I'm going to be the best girlfriend to a partner or a wife or mother or CEO or whatever version of me. But if we're constantly holding out for this this, this season in the future, which is all fabricated in our brain, and, and we're just holding off to work on ourselves and our life until that future season we're actually going to get there and be really unprepared. Yeah. And it's almost like you will have spent all that time looking forward to this other season. And then once you get there, you realize, wait, I never again get to be like free as a bird to go out, out with my girlfriends, to be yes. living in a big city this way, to have, you know, different uh, commitments, right? Like I'm still yeah. commitments, but different ones. So it's almost just that I, I totally agree that I think I'm uh, mid mid thirties now, but I feel like in my twenties, especially, I really felt like there was a lot of pressure to quote unquote, keep up with everyone else. And the yeah. further I got away from that kind of timeline, one, the more freeing it was, but two, it's like now in hindsight, I'm so, so glad that like each season was there, you know, like, I'm glad that I got to date. I'm glad that I had a long relationship with my husband. I'm glad we had a long engagement because each season, I just feel like we really got to savor and we, and we didn't miss, we didn't bypass or, um, like unplug from. And so now it's so great because I know I had each of them and I can enjoy this one even more. So I just love, I think that you're so like, on point with that philosophy. And I love the list of things you gave. I got like fired up when you were listing like, (laughs) you know, go run, go drink your water, girl. Like it's so true. It's just like, there's so much to be enjoyed in each part. Um, It's just sometimes you have to like give your own power back to accepting that you can write your story and you don't have to be just like following someone else's or chasing someone else's even. Wow, now you're firing me up. I love that. <laughs> Writing your own story. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. Well, you said it. You said it. <laughs> it's so true, though. It's so good. And so, like, I think a part of this, too, that I really um, resonated with with your story and just, you know, following you on social media is, like, you've had some big transitions in the last year where after living in D.C., the city that you loved, you are now building a home in Florida. Um, mm-hmm. And then you also get to spend some time in London. And so, to me, like I, I felt that a lot when I like lived in New York in my twenties, and leaving was so hard for me because I loved it so much, and I, mm. I knew that it was the right path, right? But it was still, it didn't make it easier. Right. And so, I see, see you doing that though, where I just feel like, how do you make the most of each stage that you are in? Maybe it's from an actual, like, physical perspective. Is it more of just that presence, um, or anything else that's slightly different, like? about that, about savoring where you are physically, like in your life? Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely the, you kind of touched on this before, the ambition to live with no regrets is a big motivator for me to savor Mm -hmm. every season. You know, when it comes to wanting to look back fondly on a season, I always, this sounds so boring, but I make lists. I love lists. Oh, me too. I love a good list. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) It sounds like the most, uh, it just sounds so boring. And I think like the power of writing things down is so underestimated. Um, And I kind of mentioned this before, you know, thinking like I'm going to be the best whatever version of me and listing out those things. It's, lists can be so powerful, you know. when I've been through really hard seasons, I've made a list of all the things I've always wanted to do, but for some reason hadn't and started chipping away at them. And it was a big mm-hmm. part of my healing. And when I got to DC four years ago, I made a list of things that I wanted to, ex- I wanted to experience there and always added to it. And that way I didn't squander my time. Um, and yeah. I do that even with my stays in, in London as well. And I usually stay for about a month at a time and I just want to really maximize that time. And even if you don't get everything done on that list, because I can really put a lot of pressure on myself to do that, (laughs) at least you know that you gave it your all. Like at least you know you you had this little timeline you had or like a box and you really ran to all four walls of that box and gave it your all Mm. instead of just letting the time pass you by. um, I, I love even what you said about appreciating you know, your long engagement, like that is just, it is a different season and there would be so many pros to it being short, um, Mm -hmm. you know, but you will never get that back. You will never get that, that season or that version of you back. And that can be applied to so many things. And so I think just being intentional and honestly, get out a pen and paper, open your notes app on your phone Mm -hmm. and, and make a list because that has been the key for me. I totally agree. I think it almost is just helps your brain lock into one that there's so many things you can do. There's so many things to be enjoyed or explored or at least experienced, right? Even if it's, I always say if it's like, it's either a good story or it can be like a funny story later on that you like laugh about if it's a disaster. But I just think that's such a good way of like, you don't have to have regrets. Like you said, if you know that you really just savored everything. And it doesn't mean you have to always be go, go, go. Like, I think one thing I saw with you too in leaving DC is like one of the days you were like, to me, living my best DC life today is ordering in and just this is what I did. And so it's not like saying it has to be hustle, 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 but like whatever really one, it's that presence. And two, it's just 
like living with no regrets and it can take a lot of different forms, right? Like whatever brings you that thrill and that joy and just delight that day. 100%. I know exactly what day you're thinking of. I was so devastated <laughs> so for like half of that day. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and I, I, I think it just comes down to like doing things on purpose. Like even though it wasn't a big deal, me ordering in that day, I did it on purpose. And I there's actually a lot of power in saying like, I choose to stay in and order takeout today. Because even if yeah. it's not as fun as like going to see a big site in, you know, the nation's capital or something, mm-hmm. saying I choose to just do this thing um, makes it intentional and is is a lot easier to to savor and romanticize. And I loved that night now because I did it on purpose instead of just mindlessly going through that day. So good. It's almost like when you rest or recharge, like there's something so healing sometimes about a night in where you just are by yourself and you're cozy. And even if you're watching TV, it's not nothing remarkable. But if you put that purpose to it, like you phrased it, that can be the most recharging night of just being with yourself, right? On a night in. So maybe sure. that is part of the key is just assigning a purpose to it and just being intentional with what is this going to mean to me and how can I, um, can I make this serve me really? Yeah. I love that. Serve me. Yeah, absolutely. So if you could give one piece of advice to the women listening, what would it be? Wow. Oh, only one. Um, I think (laughs) it would be to trust that voice within yourself. And some people Mm. call it intuition. Some people will call it God. Some people will call it a knowing. But whatever you call it, it doesn't really matter. I think everyone has had that feeling um, inside of them, that little voice inside, a conscience maybe. And my advice is to trust it, like trust that voice inside of you. Trust the dream that you want to pursue or trust the big move that you want to make. Um, Trust your voice to defend yourself or stand up for others. Trust your ideas, your creativity, your personal life decision. You know, you don't need permission from anyone else. I I offer uh, one-on-one mentor calls um, with Mm -hmm. women all all the time. I was going to say every month, but that is all the time. Um, And I've been doing them for almost a year now. And I've noticed this pattern that has really struck me. And it's while the topics are always different, they always have projects or ideas or career options that they want to do. But they always ask me, you know, should I do it? They will pour Mm. out their passion and excitement to me for 20 minutes. I can't get a word in because they are (laughs) excitingly telling me about this opportunity or this idea. And they're like, but I don't know if I should. And all I do is listen with just my jaw dropped at their enthusiasm and at their great idea because it's always a great idea and say, um, 100%. Yes, you should do that thing. <laughs> and I kid you not, this happens almost every time in one way or another. And I just think if so many women are contacting me for mentor calls feel this way, how many more women feel that external validation to do what they already know they would love to do? And on one hand, I kind of get it because I do it too. I want validation for my ideas and and we're, you know, we by nature as humans encourage each other and spur each other on. But at what point were we as women so conditioned to think that we need to have external validation to pursue what we already know we're going to love? Like it really makes me, you know, sad. It just makes me sad um, 
we grow up being told that the things we need are outside of ourselves. Nothing really in today's society encourages us to be self-sufficient. You know, media tells us that we need that beauty product or disrespect in the workplace encourages encourages us to doubt our ideas. And social pressures tell us, sorry, I'm getting like really worked up. So I'm like stuttering (laughs) because I'm really passionate about this. But social pressures tell us that it's selfish to pursue really big dreams. Um, And people cringe when women say, I know I'm beautiful or I'm really good at that, which leads girls to find validation externally rather than learn how to internally self-validate. And nothing encourages a woman to trust herself or be self-sufficient. In fact, I, I really believe that a woman who confidently trusts her voice inside, her knowing, is the biggest threat to society today as we know it. And we need we, – we don't need to look outside of ourselves. And when a majority of women realize that, I think we're going to see a huge shift in what is – an appropriate thing for a woman to say, like, I'm beautiful or I love myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I'm really excited for future generations because I know that that shift is going to happen. And, you know, my daughter or my daughter's daughter, daughter is never going to get a weird look when she says, yeah, I'm really pretty. Like, I cannot right. wait for that day. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I just I just want women to trust themselves. And if they feel beautiful to say it or if they have an idea to do it or, you know, if they want to say something in a meeting to say it. Um, Because each time you step out and you follow that knowing inside, it gets easier and more natural. Love that. Yeah. How amazing will it be when it's not it, when a woman doesn't stand out because she does it, like right now you see a woman who does it and it seems rare, but when yeah. it's so, where our whole world is full of women who not only feel their power, because I think a lot of times women were built with that inner knowing, right? But it's yeah. almost what you said about taking the next step of being able to trust it. Like, yes, yeah. we feel it, but can we lean into it and just own it even more than like feeling those bristles? I love, love that. that. Mm-hmm. So good. What about, so let's see, a few little rapid fire-ish ones, but what's one like simple practice people can use to romanticize their lives more? You've given us so many good ones, but is there (laughs) anything else that stands out? Or if you boiled it down to one, what would it be? Okay. If I had to boil it down to one, it would be um, practicing gratitude, like just making a list of Mm -hmm. things that you're grateful for. Because even, you know, if you're lonely, I'm sure you can be thankful for the bed that you're sitting on or, you know, ice cream in the freezer. And then you realize that things aren't so bad. And I think that is applicable to a lot of situations. Love that. What about, um, is th- what's one memory that you hold really dear to your heart? Uh, speaking of women trusting and <laughs> loving themselves, one of my favorite memories is when I was in India traveling to meet um, some of the women that we partner, partner with through Trades of Hope. Um, I was standing in a courtyard in India and I met this woman named Masmim and she creates some of our jewelry. And she was explaining to me, uh, you know, she said, women in India say that women belong down there and she was pointing under her mm. foot and but we know that women can be up here and she points to the sky and this is like oh. my motivator my motivator for yeah. everything i do like for traits of hope for my one-on-one mentor calls for my posts to instagram like i have a, a photo of masmeem like on my desk she is truly oh. like my north star and her energy is the, the energy i want all women to exude and keeping in mind like she's a woman she was married as a child she was a child bride she 
lives in a really oppressive caste system in mm-hmm. India. And if she can say that, like she is my she is my inspiration for life. So good. What about maybe we touched on this with like the piece of advice listening, but um, would you say what's one hope you have for all women? Or is it that? Is it that they can really lean into their knowing and own it? Or is there anything else that comes to mind? Yeah, I think it is. I think if I were to take it, maybe make it a little bit more different is Mm -hmm. I would want women, my hope for all women is to love themselves. Honestly, like I want them to be obsessed with themselves because I think people think like, oh, if a woman's obsessed with herself, she only cares about herself. But I think if women become more obsessed with themselves, taking care of themselves, loving themselves, showing the next generation of women how to love themselves, showing men that it's okay for a woman to love herself, that it's not a threat to you, like I think everyone will benefit. Um, Because also how many people know that when you are really in alignment with your own life and, and feeling good, feeling fulfilled, you're quicker to be more compassionate to other people and be available for other people. So my hope for all women is that they just really become obsessed with themselves. I think the whole world would be um, a more compassionate and and better place. I love that. And it's so in line with your business, which is, Mm. I mean, probably knows and has like sees the stats around, you know, if women are empowered or raised up what they do for communities, I think it's so such a natural outpouring of women that when they feel good, when they're taken care of, when they are financially secure and independent, they pour that instinctively back to everyone else. 100%. Yeah. So cool. That's just like so part, I feel like of your, your personal brand, you do that, your, you know, business, you do that. Um, So that's such a good full circle, like moment. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. It's, I'm really thankful to just, uh, to be a part of the circle, honestly, because I feel like I'm just Mm -hmm. standing in one big circle with, you know, women like Monsmeam in India or you, Jessica, here in the U.S. And um, I, yeah, I'm just ex- I'm just really excited for future generations of women because I know it's going to be great. It's like sky's the limit. Absolutely. What about so, you know, we've heard part of your story and your business. How can people get in touch with you or Trades of Hope um, or your social media, all the things? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can get in touch with me on Instagram um, at Elizabeth Heishkins. I know Heishkins is weird, you know, find a link or, or find my name. <laughs> but um, I, I love connecting with people on Instagram. I love going through my DMs. It's one of my favorite places to hang out. And um, you can also follow um, Trades of Hope along at tradesofhope.com or at Trades of Hope on Instagram. We are um, just we are loving showing up for people as a fashion brand to empower more women around the world. So um, you would be most welcome. So amazing. Thank you so much. I just feel like I got so much from our conversation today. I'm all like inspired and passionate about this now. So I just thank you. And I just know everyone else will feel the same. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me, Jessica. Thank you so much for listening in. If you loved this episode, it would mean so much to me if you share it on Instagram stories and tag me so I can personally thank you for helping get the message out. I am so grateful to be on this journey with you. Until next time, talk to you soon.